everybody. I'm going to go over our exemplar of osteoarthritis. Um, so just talking a little bit about osteoarthritis. Um, remember that it's just that the degeneration of the joint um, where the, the cartilage and bone, it's, it's not working right. And we now start ending up with bone on bone rubbing against each other. And as we had talked about in <clears throat> class, it can actually cause that, that sound of crepitus, um, that kind of crunching sound. And if, if we were in person, I'd let you feel my knees because my knees do that and have done that for years and years. Um, osteoarthritis generally is found as people age, um, but you can also have it from um, just abuse of the joints. It's more of a secondary. So if somebody's had joint injury, so um, gymnasts and, and soccer players and uh, those types of things can cause it. Of course, obesity can be a predisposing factor for it too. <clears throat> and then there's just, you know, think about people who like lay carpet, how they just kick that thing with their knee, how hard that's going to be on their knee. Um, so it, there are some certain things that you'll see that can kind of lead toward that. So of course, from a, a health promotion standpoint, we're going to want to um, encourage this patient to maintain proper nutrition, try and um, lose weight slowly if they are overweight, um, <clears throat> avoid injuries, um, making sure that they're taking rest and that they're um, staying active and maintaining a, a healthy thing. And, and one of the things that you really want to remember is that older patients, your elderly patients, generally underreport pain. So there's often a, a, an inadequate pain management. <clears throat> um, other things that you usually see with uh, osteoarthritis besides the joint pain is that stiffness, um, especially if they sit for any pro prolonged period of time. So every time we're having class, and I give you that five minute break. I'm literally standing up and I'm walking up the flight of steps um, because my joints just after an hour get stiff and I get up, I walk and then they're fine. But um, it is one of those things. There can also be some joint swelling with it. <clears throat> and there's some different uh, pharmacological and non-pharmacological measures that we can help the patient with. So, um, some of the other, before I go to the, the treatments, let me go back. And um, <clears throat> on people who have it in their hands, um, they can have those um, Hebridine nodes or the Bouchard nodes. Hopefully I'm saying that one right. Um, and those pains can be red and, and painful. And I know my mom has <clears throat> that in her hands and at times uh, she just really has difficulty with it. Um, the joints can get extra fluid in them where they have an effusion. That's when there's excess fluid in the joint. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and remember that all of this is going to um, potentially cause some um, depression or anxiety for patients. Um, if they have a decreased quality of life, they may not be able to um, take care of themselves as well. So make sure that we're checking uh, that they don't have depression or anxiety. Now, um, lab-specific to um, osteoarthritis that I really want you to know about is the ESR. So that's the erythrocyte sedimentation rate um, and the C-reactive protein. So those may be a little bit elevated um, when patients have that uh, secondary uh, synovitis, which is that inflammation. So if you break that word down of sino, meaning the joints, vitus, meaning inflammation, um, you may see that with that. 
of course, imaging things that we talked about on our first day. Um, X-rays may be helpful in showing, but we may actually have to go to that MRI or CT in order to really see some of those very uh, detailed problems. So non-surgical, the non-pharmacological things um, for patients can include um, <clears throat> cold and hot. Um, for me, I find that heat works best to decrease my, my pain. Um, so a heating pad, um, when I'm down here teaching in my basement in the summer, I actually have a heated blanket that I put over my joints to help with the joint pain because cold tends to intensify the joint pain. Um, cold, some people might use cold. Um, the, the heat helps to actually decrease that um, muscle tension around the joint and helps to decrease the stiffness. Um, some people might use cold, but the cold um, isn't as effective for osteoarthritis. And it, um, the way it potentially would work by would be numbing those nerve endings um, and helping with some of the secondary joint inflammation. But I, I know that tends to make mine significantly worse. If you have somebody who's using um, a heating pad or if they're using ice, we would want to teach them that important thing of 20 minutes on, 20 minutes off, and that they really need to make sure that the temperature is appropriate, that it's not too hot, and that they're not putting ice directly on the skin. They would need to have a barrier between those. Um, <clears throat> now, as far as pharmacological things, <clears throat> pardon me, <clears throat> I know we talked um, in class about um, different medications. So acetaminophen, that is not an NSAID, but it could be used for pain. One of the big things I want you to know about acetaminophen is the maximum dose you can have of that is four grams each day, and that's in a rotating calendar. If not, it's really hard on the liver. Um, now, NSAIDs, we talked a lot about NSAIDs. NSAIDs <clears throat> are usually really effective for osteoarthritis, and so some of the NSAIDs that could potentially would be the uh, diclofenic. Um, those actually can come in a, a patch or um, a solution um, where you can do topically. Um, the ibuprofen that we talked about, ibuprofen and um, celecoxib is one of the, it's actually a COX-2 inhibitor, but it, it kind of falls in the NSAID category too. Um, ibuprofen is going to be used more as an as-needed basis versus celecoxib, um, C-E-L-E-C-O-X-I, I can't spell it loud without um, looking at it, and I'm not looking at um, I-B. Hopefully I finished spelling that correctly. <clears throat> and that is taken twice a day um, to help with that prevention of that pain medication. Of course, the really important things with any of the NSAIDs, as we talked about in class, is that it's, it's hard on our kidneys, so we want to watch that creatinine value as far as their labs, and then it can cause the GI bleed. So we really want to think about what things we need to teach about that potential for that GI bleed, and that's that taking it with food, um, watching for if they have any of that hematoemesis, so if they cough up coffee ground um, looking things, so it would be dark old blood that had been in the stomach, or if it's bright blood, or they could have that dark stools. Um, it kind of looks tarry because the blood's been in there for a while. <clears throat> and so we'd want to make sure that we did that education with the patient. Um, definitely important things to, to think about. 
Um, glucosamine is another medication. Um, it's considered more of that complementary, it's a, a supplement. Um, so glucosamine um, helps to decrease with inflammation. Sometimes they may take that with the chondroitin, um, which is supposed to help improve the cartilage strengthening. Um, <clears throat> with that, they should always check with their physician before taking any kind of um, supplements. Um, there's some reasons why you wouldn't take that if you have hypertension, um, pregnant, it can cause some increased bleeding. So, and they definitely want to make sure that they're <clears throat> taking the appropriate dose based on the weight. So they would want to talk to their physician about that. Um, let's see. And of course, glucosamine, I think I mentioned that um, the bleeding, if you're on anticoagulants, it can, it can increase. Let's see. What else did I want to tell you about? Um, <clears throat> if they have to... Um, if those those types of medications don't work, then they can also do like an injection into the knee. Uh, it's called hy hyaluronic acid, and um, this is just kind of a, a lubricating synthetic joint where they put into the the knee, and that can help with um, that grinding, and it, it may help um, with some of those pain. Now, ultimately, the the patient may end up needing surgery. And so they may need a total knee replacement or a total hip replacement. Um, of course, you know, before we would send them to surgery, um, there's some, some specific things that we'd have to do about that surgery as far as uh, making sure we have a consent, um, making sure that they don't have any teeth in their mouth, that dentures are removed, that they don't have any hair clips, um, that they're not wearing any clothes, that their, their personal belongings are secured. Um, so there's definitely some things to think about before you send somebody to surgery. <clears throat> and then after surgery, they are usually going to be getting an antibiotic um, after surgery. And they do this prophylactically, meaning they do it preventively. So thinking about um, antibiotics and, and giving that prophylactically, of course, from the case study that you did on for ticket to class one, it was important to make sure that you checked for allergies. Of course, that's always important for any medication. <clears throat> but with some medications, we actually do some lab monitoring. And, and this should hopefully ring a bell from uh, your sophomore gear. But we, we may have to do what's called a peak and trough. And so a peak and trough helps us make sure that medications that can be damaging if the, the lab values get too high, uh, making sure that we're not causing any damage. So, so one medication that I can think of off the top of my head that needs a peak and trough is vancomycin. And so vancomycin is a really strong antibiotic. And so if you're going to do a peak and trough on that medication, the trough is done when the level is the lowest. So ideally, that's about 30 minutes before the medication is given. So if the medication is due at 9 a.m., you would draw that trough at 8.30 in the morning prior to giving that medication at 9. Your peak is when that medication's at its best and it's working at its highest. And so that's going to be right after the antibiotic is finished. So if I'm giving vancomycin and I start that at 9 o'clock and I have to run that um, infusion over an hour, so it goes till 10, I'm going to check that blood anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour afterwards, depending on the antibiotic. So I wouldn't actually draw that blood until between 10.30 and 11. And so understanding that if my, my trough is, uh, my peak is too high, 
that the dose is probably going to need to be decreased. If my peak is too low, then they're going to need to increase my antibiotics. So that's that application process of that medication. So making sure that you're thinking of that um, would be one of those things I'd want you to think about with antibiotics. And hopefully this is a um, review for you and not a, a big something that you haven't really thought about. Of course, postoperatively, we're going to be thinking about all of those other things with mobility, spirometer, um, ankle pumps, SCDs, uh, the anoxaparin that we talked about, especially if it's a joint surgery, um, they could potentially be getting heparin, but usually it's more of that anoxaparin. <clears throat> um, there are some specific um, positioning as far as if they have a hip replacement, but I, I, that's not going to be our big focus for, for this um, concept. Let's see, what else do I want to talk about? So, um, of course, we could potentially get um, physical therapy involved into the patients who have um, osteoarthritis. That would be important. Collaborative also would be occupational therapy. Teaching them about those uh, non-pharmacological things that help with that. Um, you know, there's some, some basic um, joint protection things that they can do. Um, watching how they they carry their their purse is one of those things that can help. Um, using two hands to hold objects instead of one because their hands may become weak from it. Um, watching where they sit, do not use their fingers to push off. Um, <clears throat> making sure they have a good handle if they're using something to uh, brush their hair, um, and making sure that they're not using pillows in bed except for one under their head if they have osteoarthritis. I can cause other issues. Um, so that is um, some of the biggest stuff that I can think of with osteoarthritis that I really want you to know. I hope this podcast was helpful. If you have any other questions, um, please be sure to let me know. And um, see you soon.